Hi, this is Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, and welcome to the Content Bros Podcast, where you'll hear the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world. The show is brought to you by Oracle Marketing Cloud, helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. The show is brought to you by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create manage and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. And the show is brought to you by Convince and Convert, content marketing strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your content better. The hosts of the show are Jeff Cohen and Randy Frisch. Find all links, archives, and more at contentprospodcast.com. And now, here's Jeff, Randy, and this week's special guest. Welcome to another episode of Content Pros. I am very excited today. We are we have a whole bunch of knowledge on this podcast. Aside from, as always, I've got Jeff Cohen by my side from Oracle Marketing Cloud. I'm Randy Frisch from Uberflip. But today we have David Lewis. And David understands the content space. He understands the demand gen space. He understands all these marketing automation platforms that we hear about and many of us have invested in or we're wrestling with which one to invest to invest in. And I think David's just gonna be able to bring us a ton of knowledge of how industries have evolved in the MarTech space in the last, you know, I'm, I'm not going to tell you how many years because I'll date him and he'll, he'll, he won't be very happy with me. But, you know, Jeff, maybe you can, uh, you know, bring David in and, you know, tell us a little bit more about what we'll talk about today. That sounds great. Thanks, Randy. Again, super happy to be here on another episode of Content Pros, part of the Convince and Convert podcast network. And today we are going to dive into probably a little bit more of the demand gen side of the content marketing world. And we have David Lewis, CEO of a company called Demand Gen. So David, welcome to Content Pros. So let, let's really start at the beginning. If you're a content marketer, one of the main things that you do is drive demand. So just sort of start with the, the simple explanation of how do you define demand gen and, and how does your company fit into making that happen for folks? Well, quick, quick sidebar, the whole way the name of the company came about was we used to have a sales and marketing meeting every Friday at my last company. And I noticed culturally that it was called the sales and marketing meeting and sales sat on one side of the table and marketing sat on the other side of the table. And we were really trying to culturally align much better. So we said, you know what, why don't we rename this to the demand gen meeting? One team, you know, different disciplines, different, different players on the team, if you will, like offense and defense, but let's have it be, you know, themed as one meeting. And in those meetings, you know, and going back, as you said, Randy, you know, been doing this for a while, over a couple of decades now. And the challenge of every marketer, right, every day, if you're a demand gen marketer, is what's the next piece of lead bait or content or whatever you want to call it that we're going to create that our audiences would want to read or watch or download uh, and, and other form factors as well. And so it's a daunting job, right, for every marketer to kind of come up with that. And in terms of your question, you know, how do we as demand gen, as a company now, um, come up with our own content, right? We're, we're about, we've, we've helped about 400 companies, uh, over the past 10 years with their use of marketing automation and marketing technology. And we ourselves generate demand for our services. And so we produce lots of different content. Um, we have a podcast 
that we have. We have uh, a treasure trove of resources on our website uh, for downloadable pieces. And then we've got all the social and and inbound marketing as well. Um, And so if you want to talk about one particular project that we're working on right now is, you know, we uh, went to the Sears Decisions Conference uh, and some of your team was there as well in Texas. And there was a very startling fact that uh, the folks presenting shared, and that is about 50% of their surveyed participants said that they're going to switch marketing automation platforms in the next year. So that triggered for me to grab my notebook and write down a note that said, our market, 50% of them are going to undertake a major initiative this year, and that is switching marketing automation systems. And because of our background and experience, we know how significant that project is um, in and of itself, but we also know the risk that it plays for a head of marketing in switching that, right? They're going to switch out their primary platform for doing demand generation. And that wrote down a series of content ideas that we should create, which we are developing right now and should have available in the next couple of weeks. Well, that, that's great. Thinking, basically taking that one actionable item uh, that comes out from that piece of data and deriving some content to it or content around it and obviously marketing automation is near and dear to my heart as part of key part of the Oracle marketing cloud so i'd i'd love if you could share some of those even deeper insights a, a, a couple nuggets of information that people should be thinking about uh or things they should watch out for if they're actually planning on switching out their marketing automation system, or as you say, the thing that's driving demand gen. It's a, it's, it's not something to be taken very lightly. Yeah. When we, when we approach a content initiative, you know, the, the first recommendation I can give to everyone is ideas are everywhere. I mean, you don't have to look very far to come up with your next piece of content. Um, it sometimes seems challenging. And I think the larger organization you're in, or if you're in the medical field, there's all kinds of regulations around financial and medical industries that we're fortunately not have to deal with. Our clients have to deal with, but we don't have to worry about. But I see problems everywhere. It's kind of like that movie, Sixth Sense. I see dead people. Like I see opportunities everywhere to create content. And all you really need to know is the pain points and needs of your audience. So just like I said, if 50% of these people surveyed are going to change marketing automation systems, there's a a major project, a major initiative. I'll give you some other examples. Um, ABM has been all the rage as a three-letter acronym and, and discipline in the past year and a half, right? That tells me that if everybody is amplifying this need or interest or tools and technologies for doing ABM, people are going to want to know what is ABM? How should I apply it to our demand generation strategy? So again, another need. Uh, There are people who attend conferences and have to think about their budget for the year. What conferences should they go to? And there are a tremendous number of opportunities to create content and you just have to prioritize. And our process for doing so is once we have an idea, we put a big circle on the board and put the thought right in the middle of the circle and then just build a mind map. uh, And that helps structure ideas of what we're going to create, what channels we might use and the key points for it. Today's episode of Content Pros is brought to you by Uberflip and their weekly podcast called Flip the Switch, where they bring some of the brightest marketing minds together to provide useful insights, actionable takeaways, 
and a fresh approach to the content marketing challenges you face daily. Head over to bit.ly slash flip content to discover the tips and tactics that will help you flip the switch from ordinary to remarkable. So let, let's actually take take a step back um, and get a better understanding what demand gen as a company does. You said you, you've helped 400 customers. Um, are you helping them? I, I guess give a give a sense of how you're helping them. Are you helping them create content? Are you helping them sort of map out the customer journey? Probably some of uh, you also mentioned Martech. So just just give us a better sense of of what kinds of things, what kind of projects you're involved in when you engage a, or when a client engages you. So DemandGen, I started the company about 10 years ago, uh, and just for context, I was running marketing at a company called Ellie May, and we had brought in marketing automation. At that time, we had been using Eloqua for three years, and this is, you know, circa 2003, so that was pretty much the only marketing automation system at the time. And I ran a user group in the Bay Area, and people would attend that, marketing operations people. They weren't called marketing operations people at the time, uh, but people in demand generation. And it was at that user group that I realized, wow, people really need help with these new tools and technologies because, let's face it, marketing had only had creative tools uh, primarily leading up to that, except for you know web and web publishing tools. So the whole genesis behind DemandGen was to create the world's first marketing technology uh, agency. We're kind of, you know, part consulting, part systems integrator, and that was to help people with the deployment and adoption and integration of marketing automation systems. And we've grown our business uh, substantially over the past 10 years. We're approaching 100 people. Uh, we support both the Marketo market and the Eloqua market and the Salesforce market, as well as dozens of different marketing technology tools and help our clients stitch it all together. So where content plays in, right, I always kind of think of those the pieces of infrastructure as the hardware and content as the software. And so we advise our clients on nurture strategy and how to build out nurture programs. We build out those nurture programs uh, for them, you know, integrating everything from email to SMS messages to uh, downloadable content, incorporated video and personalization. So, you know, marketing is getting more and more challenging. And our whole mission as a company is to help make it all make sense from a technology perspective and how to use that technology to drive growth. I love that story. It's you know, it's just so genuine, and it's it's the reality of how the world continues to evolve that we live in, especially from a Martech perspective, and how you were able to essentially pounce on something that was standing right in front of you. And uh, you know, I want to go back to a point you were talking about with Jeff, which is I think the way you put it is ideas are everywhere, right? And you know, it's funny. I, I you know, as a founder of my company at Uberflip, I think my team has both a blessing and curse that I like to write content. Right. You know, blessing that they get someone who will do so, you know, curse is sometimes like, you know, I'll go on tangents or I'll just, you know, take an idea from anywhere. I I, I want to dig more into how you evaluate what is a good idea. So you talked about having that whiteboard session and brainstorming it out. How do you test some of these content ideas such as this, you know, 50% of people going to change before you actually start to put pen to paper? Well, again, I, you know, I've studied a lot in neuromarketing as well, you know, the science of how people make decisions. And I think that was a helpful endeavor. Uh, If people haven't 
you know, um, gone into that aspect of, of marketing. There's a website, salesbrain.com, which uh, they make a great book called Sales Brain. And it really, my study and certification in neuromarketing really helped me uh, develop this instinct further of listen to pain points, right? We just had a presidential election uh, several weeks ago, right? And we've got half the country however you want to split the numbers, let's say a big portion of the country that feels one way and another portion of the country that feels another way. And, you know, let's say that you were looking to develop content ideas and focus some of the implications of what's happening now with the executive orders, right? You might be thinking about creating content to help people that are here on visas, um, what this means to them, right? Because that's their question in their mind is, what does this mean to me? How will this impact me? So if you ask those questions in their mind, what does what's happening in the world mean to them and what will they need to do or not do, you come up with just, like I said, a treasure trove of ideas. So using our business, just a couple examples, and then, you know, Randy, let you ask me some more. Um, We can step outside our industry for the folks that are listening. In our industry, it might be things like, what marketing automation system should I get? What considerations will I need to make when getting a marketing automation system? How would I need to restructure my marketing department um, if I'm embracing marketing technology? If I don't have enough content, where can I go for content ideas? So if you just, you know, like teleport yourself into your customer or potential customer's brain and think what questions are they asking themselves with what's happening in their world today, then you can come up with these content ideas. And that's a skill set that we teach our clients. Um, we have a client concur up in, in Washington, right? And they make uh, expense management software for f- people filling out uh, expense reports. Well, part of their audience is finance, right? What will it be like for finance to have a platform that people are submitting expense reports rather than people sending Excel spreadsheets with receipts, right? So that's one audience. But also, what does it mean to a traveling salesperson who's going to use these new tools? How will life change for them? And, um, you know, the point I want to make is content can be short, like a blog post. Um, Checklists are wonderful things because everybody lives in this kind of snack-sized world now where we don't have um, time for long content. We also live, uh, our head of marketing kind of phrase called it, it's digital, um, which is, you know, the fusion of digital marketing and video because, uh, the folks growing up today in the world watch a tremendous amount of video on YouTube and a lot of content marketers have not produced any video. So, you know, transport into the mind of the customer, ask the questions, put them on the board that they're asking themselves and think about snack size content and many different forms of that content uh, to answer those questions. That's great. I, I, I think what you're alluding to is the idea of actually being more strategic about the content that we create. And, you know, Jeff and I have many times brought up the scary stats that, you know, uh, you know, experts like Content Marketing Institute have brought us around the number of people that just lack a strategy when they go into their content creation. So I'm wondering how much of the work that you do at Demand Gen with people as far as content is concerned is around strategy versus execution. And how do you, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping there's going to be some strategy. So how do you stress the importance of that strategy 
to you know the people you're working with so that they can stress that to their managers. And, and what I'm hoping we get out of this is for those who are listening to this podcast who are going to go talk to their CMO or talk to their VP of marketing, how do they stress the importance of strategy and when that should occur? Yeah, they're, they're really, you know, there's an old phrase that there's no silver bullet in marketing, still true to this day. Uh, but what I also see too common is random acts of marketing. And you you really want to stop that. Now, I'm not saying you stop being agile or stop being uh, a marketer who seizes uh, unique opportunities um, that happen in the marketplace and react to them quickly. That's certainly good. The Oreo, you know, Dunk While It's Dark was a great example of that. But those guys were ready for that. And that was Super Bowl, what, a couple of years ago. Um, so our process, one thing I should point out, guys, is, you know, we don't, for the most part, develop content for our clients. So we're, we don't have a large staff of graphics designers and writers for our clients. They, we're mostly dealing with midsize and enterprise clients and they are working with uh, their own agencies or in-house resources. But what we are helping them do is structure conversations. We're helping them map out the buyer's journey because all of our clients have marketing automation systems. And since you don't want to do one and done marketing, we're orchestrating a concert of different content touches um, for our clients. So let's take upper funnel, for example, you know, generating demand, generating prospects. We do a lot of work advising our clients on nurture strategy and how to take uh, do a content inventory of what they have and think about incorporating those pieces of content uh, into a conversation. So let's go back to the example that I gave, right? We're working on a piece right now that's a blog post for how, how and when should you migrate your marketing automation system. We're working on a checklist, which is going to be divided into two sections. It's the things to consider and things to do, right? Because that's the two pieces of what they need. We're going to create some case studies about people who have migrated successfully and the, if they knew then what they know now. And we're also going to create some things that you should do be without migrating. So if you're, for example, folk frustrated with some customer service uh, related issues and that's tempting you to migrate from one system to another, what you should do to you know go down that path. Because what we found is as we're doing and collecting the research for these content pieces, it pretty much falls into a couple different categories as to why they want to migrate. And so we want to develop an additional set of content to help them with those various pain points like um, customer satisfaction issues, increase in licensing fees, service outages, or I've outgrown my marketing automation system. And so, you know, there's a few different ones. And so we'll branch uh, from there. And, you know, when you, when you think about Again, coming back to this, we live in a snack-sized world. You want to create bite-sized pieces of chunks that allow people to absorb, uh, you know, various pieces of content or types of content um, through this. Not everybody can sit down and read a, a thirty-page ebook or something like that. But sometimes that's the right form factor for something if you've got a lot of information that needs to be uh, put out there. I think you guys know, like I'm into drones, right? So I, if I if I wasn't doing what I do today. I could create a tremendous amount of content for my fellow drone enthusiasts on things that I know that they're learning and want to learn about in terms of building or flying drones. Hey, Zoe. Hey, Kelly. Do you know what I love? Benedict Cumberbatch? Yeah, him, but also Netflix and how it always shows me what I'll love, aka all the murder mysteries. Ooh, or documentaries about puppies. 
I wish there was a way to do that with B2B content. Well, hold on to your pants. So you know Uberflip, it lets you create a better content journey for your readers. So I can let my readers binge my content while my sales team also sends it out to prospects? You sure can. Amazing. How do I get it? Just head over to uberflip.com and request a demo. I, I couldn't agree more with everything you're touching on. This idea of a journey is something that at my company, Uberflip, we, we talk about all the time. It's how do you how do you stitch together all these pieces of content or all these different experiences that you're putting in front of each other so that it actually feels coordinated, right? And and it's funny, I mean, you know, the three of us here live in a in much more of a B2B world. Uh, but I'm going to date this podcast, which we're, we're, we're never supposed to do, but I'm going to do it. So very recently, we had, we had Super Bowl 51 and you know, the amazing Tom Brady comeback. Hopefully no one here is an Atlanta fan. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm watching the first half. I'm not really dialed in because it wasn't much of a game. And all of a sudden, I get an email from Alfa Romeo. So if people don't know, Alfa Romeo is an Italian car. It's, you know, you know, it had its, you know, legacy days where it was more available in North America and they're bringing it back. It's coming back. My dad had one when I was younger. So I, I subscribed to these emails. And at first I got this email and I'm like, what idiot is sending me an email during Super Bowl? Like, why would they send out their blast at this time of the night? The same way there's no other sports games. Why are people sending this out? But sure enough, within an hour of that, I started to see Alfa Romeo commercials during the Super Bowl. And all of a sudden I thought like, this is genius. Like, you know, the person's not an idiot anymore. They're actually stitching together a journey so that whether I checked that email after the game or whether I checked it during, and then I went on, everything starts to feel connected, which I think is, is the idea that you're getting at David, which is how do we connect all these different ideas together? Absolutely, Randy. You know, in fact, it's one of the things that I like about Uberflip. There's a lot of like a, about Uberflip, but there's a couple key points that I think Uberflip addresses. We as marketers try to map out this journey. We want to think about this concert of different um, pieces of content. I consider those like as notes or part of a song. I was a DJ in, in college, so I think about song structure, right? And we want to think about this buyer's journey. But what Uberflip does extremely well is it provides an opportunity for marketers to put out a, I call it like a buffet of content. I don't know if you'd call it that, but allows me to go to a resources area and go to a site and find all of the various pieces of content without the tremendous amount of development effort that it takes on a website to create all your different pieces of content and make them visible with forms and landing pages and such. So the way you guys connect and orchestrate all of those pieces of content uh, provide marketers with a very simple way to say, you know what, I might not know your exact journey. I might not know which piece to give you at what various times, but if you're looking for the stuff that we have, here you go. And then the other thing is you don't restrict uh, a content publisher to a specific form factor. It doesn't have to be a written word or a picture. You can integrate text and videos and, and make these documents living, breathing tools, which are far more engaging than um, just text on a, on a PDF. And so I think no matter how good we try to as marketers think about, like you said at the Super Bowl, when to hit you with what piece of content, we also need to think that we can't control the buyer's experience or our customer's experience, and we need to make our content available where they go to get it. 
So er- earlier, David, you you mentioned the idea of Martech, and you're probably in a in a pretty good space to comment on. I, I guess it's the overwhelming nature of the state of Martech. We I guess by last report, there are nearly four thousand Martech solutions, and if if you're advising a content marketer, how does someone find their way through all those choices? What's a, what's a good way to get started thinking about how all this stuff either works or works together? Good question, Jeff. I, you know, I wrote a blog post about it, and if I can, I'm just going to direct people to it um, as a supplement to what I'm sharing. And that was, I wrote a blog post. Our blog is at uh, demandgen.com forward slash blog, uh, easy to find on our website in the navigation. And one of the articles I wrote was to help demystify all these different tools. And the approach that I took was breaking them into like the seven food groups. And I think that's the title of the blog post because it's, it's overwhelming, right? Marketers are challenged with all these different pieces of technology. And so the analogy I made was to, you know, the food groups, right? That, um, there's lots of different food choices. We're, we're back to buffets again. Um, there's lots of different food choices and what should you, uh, be consuming in, to, in terms of tools and technologies. And I, I netted it down to about seven primary categories uh, to look at. And not saying that you have to have solutions in every category, but rather than look at 3,000 to 4,000 different tools, and some of them are just just literally that, just like a tool, a fix-it for a gap in some other product. But some of them are platforms that facilitate engagement uh, and such. So I said, and, and content, of course, creation and publishing was one of the categories where, where an Uber flip would, would be. And, and marketing automation, another category where folks, Jeff, like, you know, Oracle uh, would, would be. So I tried to break it into some key areas so that gave people starting points on the, the infrastructure that we need to, to build. We use a, a metaphor called the demand factory as a, as a metaphor for what we are in modern marketing creating. And that demand factory needs different tools and technologies to to operate, but it certainly certainly doesn't need three to four thousand tools. It, it needs maybe a dozen or two, uh, depending on the size of the company. Yeah, that that definitely is a, a great way to think about it, boiling it down. And and another way that that I generally think about this is the idea of kind of strategy driving the conversation rather than the tools driving the conversation. Any anytime someone goes out and says, "Oh, I need this tool." That's the wrong way to think about it. It's more trying to figure out what it is you want to do uh, before you then start going to look for tools. Yeah, and I, I've got a couple other posts on uh, you know the shiny new toy syndrome and how to vet a vendor. Uh, really good piece on how to vet a vendor, right? Because it's I'm going to look at a new social media tool today, actually, I think following the podcast. And um, I have no doubt that when I see it, I'm going to be excited by some of the capabilities and things that it provides because we set up this demo because of some of the internal social media marketing things that we want to do here at DemandGen. But you just can't jump in with both feet and get a new tool unless you've really thought through what the total cost of ownership is, who's going to own it, um, how much are you going to be utilizing that tool relative to its cost, and, and on and on. So I, I did some blog posts about um, how to vet vendors and, and such um, to avoid that impulse buy, which can lead to, you know, I'm going to say this, it, it can lead to... Um, even people getting fired, right? I mean, you have a marketing budget, and now that marketing budget has a line item for infrastructure. And what if you, to the executive staff, invest the company's 
money poorly and buy a bunch of technology that you have no results to show for, um, that's going to reflect on your performance at the end of the year. So we need to be more cautious about our investments in marketing technology than we've ever been because there's a lot of things that we can get excited about buying. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more also with this idea of ownership of a tool. And it's it's something that that at UberFlyBuy, I actually impose here on any of our executives or managers when we're going to invest in a tool is who owns this thing. And, and, and the tricky part there is that some of the solutions that we're starting to purchase as companies apply cross-function. And that's when it becomes really tricky to figure out who's going to own. And, and I'd say a lot of the tools that we invest in from a content perspective or a marketing automation perspective fall under that category. Is this a sales tool? Is this a marketing tool, success tool? It's very hard to ultimately have one owner, but you need that from an accountability standpoint. No doubt. Let's do a fun little visual exercise. We're on a podcast and you, you know, all of us are recording from different locations and we've got people listening to this, hopefully all over the world. But picture this right now. So Randy, just metaphorically or, you know, virtually hold up your hand uh, like you're going to hold your hand up, uh, palm up facing mine. And I'm going to take my hand and just virtually start pushing on your hand. What are you doing right now as I'm pushing on your hand? This is, it's a very weird feeling, but I'm, I'm actually like, I almost feel the feel, you know, it's, it's like you, you feel restraint. You're trying to create it. And what are you doing as I'm pushing on your hand? Pushing back. Yeah. And, and we're not even doing that, but that is our instinct. Now, if I put my hand out to you with my palm up, like I'm reaching out to shake your hand, but like I'm reaching out to extend my hand to you, um, you, you mentally feel differently. Like Dave's extending his hand to me and I'm going to grab his hand and, and we're going on a journey together. And I, I've done this in workshops and the first time I've ever done it on a podcast and we're not even in the same physical place, and yet your instinct was to push back when it's one way and to embrace in another. And the reason I talk about this is when you bring a new tool or technology into your organization, and if you go to another department, or even within another department to another leader, and you try to push this new thing on them without saying, you know, I think there's some ways that we could in sales and marketing work more harmoniously together, and would you help me um, move away from calling everything a lead and let's develop a language for sales and marketing of what we want to call the demand that we're generating, it's a different experience, it's a different result, and it's, it's transformative. But if you just go and push new tools and technologies or new processes on others, you're met with that resistance because it's an instinct. I love that. I, I think a lot of people are probably listening to this now and, and getting ready to pull that into their morning meetings tomorrow. Um, that's, a, that's a great analogy and great way to get, get people to work closer together. So getting to know you a little bit better before we wrap up here and you know, kind of going outside of necessarily all the MarTech world that we live in. Um, so you and I actually connected in San Francisco recently. And one of the things for people to know about David is he seems to have a knack of finding these gems of places to go eat. We ended up eating in this like basement cellar at a partner event that we were both attending. So my general question to you, just in a lightning round fashion, getting to know, where do you find your restaurants? Like, it, it can't be Yelp. Like, what's your, what's your go-to to find the best local spot? 
You know, of, of everything you've asked and covered me today, uh, it is the it is the worst possible answer I can give you because I don't have a system or structure for doing that. And and the way that I brought us to this this basement uh, in in this restaurant in San Francisco was all about the experience. And so, right, we had just met a whole bunch of different folks. Some knew each other well, some didn't know each other well, some were competitors, uh, what have you. But I knew that what it was in everybody's mind was, let's go have an experience together. And the thing that I hate about dining with other people, especially, you know, when you're when you want to get to know people is you really only get to talk to the person to your right or to your left. And if you're in a large, noisy restaurant, it's a very different experience. It's not private. So it just my instinct was let's get everybody to go into an environment that would, you know, really foster some great communication, but most importantly, an experience. So I just drew upon my knowledge of San Francisco at that moment. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough to live in the Bay Area and, and have been to lots of places. But uh, there's a friend of mine, Dorothy Peters, and she's not listening to this, not in our industry, but she is my resource for where to dine in San Francisco. And so um, I've, I've dined ground. with her monthly. She's here to the Yeah, I've dined with her it. monthly. All right. Yeah, she's, she's great. All right, so a couple more quick questions to get to know you. I'm going to line this one up for you. How, you know, we know that, that your personal interests outside of work include drones and skiing. How does one combine the two? So first I have to share with you that I have a bucket list goal of creating a piece of content, whether that be a video or something, probably most likely a video, that's going to be seen or read by two million people. Big goal. So on my way to get to accomplishing that goal, I need to build up my YouTube channel. And what I realized is that no one had ever flown a drone while skiing. And since I'm a pretty good skier and been skiing a long time and a decent drone pilot, I thought, you know what, I'll, with my buddies, go down the mountain and we'll, I'll ski and then put the drone in front of me and follow them down the mountain and shoot that and then create a video on how to fly a drone while skiing. So that's the method to the madness. And I've got all the raw content and I just got to someday sit down and and put it together and, and upload it to my YouTube channel and see how many people like that or are interested in it. All right, so here's what we gotta do. Everyone who listens to Content Pros has to share this with you know, a couple hundred people and we will get get you right to that goal of two million. So we'll, we'll, get, we'll get you to send that post-production video efforts over to our production team. We'll tack it onto this uh, blog post at contentprospodcast.com and, and we'll get everyone you know, driving in to, to see drones and skiing together. All right, one last- It's pretty beautiful. I, I can't wait. Randy, we'll also get Kim Kardashian to share it, and that'll help push it absolutely, over the Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Jeff, you're making the call, I guess, right? Boom. Uh, of course, of course. The, la- the last question I've been dying to know is, you know, and, and I've tried to get this answer out of my VP of sales here. He was a DJ back, back in the day. What was your DJ name? Oh, it was Diamond Dave. I don't know if I'm proud of it, but that's what it was. Fantastic. I'm going to find a way to use that to embarrass you at one stage. But, you know, for for now, this has been fun and can't do anything like that. Uh, David, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on Content Pros. On behalf of Jeff Cohen at Oracle Marketing Cloud, again, I'm Randy Frisch from Uberflip. Uh, If you've enjoyed learning about this and hearing from David, please check out DemandGen. Learn about all that David does and his team does to help companies 
leverage their marketing tech stack together in a more cohesive, journey-like manner. If you've enjoyed this podcast, there's a lot more that we have available at contentprospodcast.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, pretty much anywhere your, your podcasts come in. We are making this available. And the one thing we always want is feedback. What can we do to make this a better experience, more enjoyable for you on a daily basis? Until next time, thanks so much for tuning in. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince & Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince & Convert Media. Interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show? Visit us at convinceandconvert.com.